So Jesus, we acknowledge this morning that you are God alone. And right now, we choose to come under your lordship. We choose to come and sit under your word, your living eternal word. Speak to us now out of the fullness of who you are. Come now and release your particular word for this day and this hour and this moment in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. This morning, we are going to be continuing our series of messages on the tender commandments, expressions of the Father's love. If you were able to be with us last week, uh, you heard sort of the introduction to this series of messages. If you weren't here, Let me invite you to take advantage of the opportunity that you always have to go um, online to our website at www.betheltwincities.org and uh, sermons are posted there usually sometime by midweek of the week in which they've been preached and uh, an opportunity to listen not only to me here but also to Pastor Sam uh, as he brings the word from Minneapolis and each of us come from our own unique perspectives and it will give you a fuller perspective of uh, what God may want to be speaking to you. We, uh, together, Pastor Sam and I, just had a very strong sense that, that this was the word of the Lord for this season as we get near to the closure of our year of return, uh, as the Lord calls us back to himself and calls out of us all that he has deposited within us. Um, the tender commandments are an opportunity to really get ourselves re-grounded and reoriented um, and realigned with the heart and purposes of God. As you know, the Ten Commandments are found for us in Exodus chapter 20, given by God to Moses. Uh, and Exodus 19 kind of gives us the whole background leading up to uh, Moses' time on the mountain with the Lord and receiving of these Ten Commandments. And note, please, that uh, on those two tablets uh, written, you know, this is a love letter from God. This is part of what we were seeking to reorient our hearts about last week because I think sometimes when it comes to the Ten Commandments, instinctively, somehow within us, there's this response of, oh, this is somehow from God, the, the killjoy who wants to imprison us somehow and... Uh, has laid out this heavy, burdensome commandments for us to keep so that, and, and, and if we get out of line at all, he's going to be right there to do gotcha and, and, and nail us uh, and, and catch us and, 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 you know, somehow punish us if we stray even just, you know, a bit over, you know, he's, he's laid out these lines for us. But, but what we discovered last week is these, are, these truly are tender commandments. They're expressions of his love 
for us, of his compassion and his mercy and care. They are not intended to imprison us, but rather they are to liberate us, to free us into the fullness of our destiny, to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests unto our God, his treasured chosen possession. He loved us so much that he took not time, not simply to text us, but he took his finger and wrote a love letter to us in stone. So that his heart would be available to us, released to us, expressed to us in a way that we can hear and receive and rejoice in his goodness. Now on those two tablets, we don't know exactly because... They're not preserved for us. They're not sitting in any museum. But likely the two tablets were split between the first tablet, which had the first four commandments, which were commandments that were given related to his heart for us as it relates to our relationship with him. That there would be no other gods, no idols, to not take the Lord's name in vain and to remember the Sabbath. The other tablet, the other six commandments have to do with expressions of his love as we are related to one another. To honor our parents, to not murder, to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not bear false witness, and to not covenant. And so over these next ten weeks, we're going to be walking through each of these commandments one by one, and it'll bring us right up to Thanksgiving time. So I want to encourage us to dig deep, even as we're starting out again in Saturate. And I've already been, you know, I couldn't stop this summer, so I've been reading ahead. And I want to add my invitation to you tonight. It's been so wonderful. I I love being a part of the Saturate on Sunday evenings. I love coming and hearing uh, about the Word of the Lord and then also just digging into the Word of the Lord. Uh, Norm does a great job of just kind of giving us an orientation, and then in our small group times, we have wonderful, I get to sit with the youth, and I love being with 10 to 12 youth who are reading the Word of God, and they're going, wow, and I'm going, wow, with them. And I want us to go, wow, about the Ten Commandments, because these are God's heart for us. All right, so the first commandment that we're looking at this morning, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. You can use the Bible located right in front of you. We're going to be orienting ourselves around numbers of scriptures this morning, and so you can follow along as you're able to. Otherwise, they'll be up here on the screen. This particular passage is also there in your bulletin. We want you to get it. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. This is really the foundational commandment that sort of begins the unfolding of all of the other commandments. We have to start here right at the very center of the center. You are God alone and you shall have no other gods 
before me. So we need to understand, first of all here, and invite ourselves to ask this question, who is God? In fact, the construction of the sentence that we have here in Exodus 20 that I just read for you, um, I am the Lord your God, could also be constructed in this way, I, the Lord, am your God. I, the Lord, am your God. And so the the first thing that we need to understand about who God is, is He is the Lord. Now, in your translations, and most modern translations will have it written this way, Lord here will be written in all capital, small capital letters, L-O-R-D. This is to distinguish this particular construction, this particular name of the Lord from the other names for God that are used in the Scripture. And this is the most, um, this is the, the, the name of the Lord that is used most frequently in the Old Testament. And it's the word that we have translated in English, Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, many of you know this, but in the Hebrew, the name of the Lord here, when it says, I am the Lord, the name Lord in the Hebrew is written with only consonants and without any vowels in there. And so so it was written in such a way that it would not even, because there was such a sacredness around the name, that they would not even speak the name out loud. And in the English, the transliteration, the first consonant can be translated either Y or J. The second consonant is H, and you can see that in both Yahweh and in Jehovah. The third consonant can be either translated, uh, transliterated either W or V, and the last consonant is an H again in both. So it's either YH, WH, or JH, VH, and we have taken, we don't, it's been lost over those years exactly the pronunciation of the name, but we typically speak then of the Lord as either Yahweh or Jehovah. I, the Lord, am your God. Now this is the name that the Lord gave to Moses back in Exodus chapter 3. You remember the dialogue when, when God meets Moses at the burning bush. And Moses comes near and says, he says, something's going on here, let me get my shoes off. <laughs> because this is holy ground. And he begins to have this dialogue with the Lord And he asks him this very simple question. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Am. This is what you are saying to the Israelites. 
I am has sent me to you. At the root meaning of this I am is, the, is to be or to become. In other words, God's saying, I be who I be. I am becoming who I'm becoming. I am fully existent in myself. I am. I just, I am. <laughs> this is what got the chief mucky mucks in Israel so, you know, their undies in a bundle when Jesus was on earth because... Jesus kept using and saying things like, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, truth, and life. They knew what he was saying. Who do you say that I am? I am! This is who So the question this morning, another question that I want, want us to explore together for a moment, because I think this is very significant in light of understanding that there are no other gods. We need to understand what God is like. If we're going to be able, if we're going to say we're going to have no other gods before you, we need to understand what he is like, and like facets of a diamond, and there's so many things that we could talk about here this morning, but I'm going to focus very quickly on six things, six qualities, six characteristics of who God is. Because remember, this is the context of his commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. The context is, I, the Lord, am your God. So what's he like? Well, first of all, The Lord is holy. I'm so grateful this morning. Thank you, Dave and worship team, for leading us into the presence and in the holiness of God. The Lord is holy. Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy. Around the throne of grace, they constantly cry out in that threefold, and it's ever-increasing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Revelation 4.8 Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, God Almighty who was and is and is to come. As it says in, Revelation, and in Psalm chapter 111, verse 9, He provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. Here's where we get the context of the fear of the Lord. Because of His utter otherness, He dwells in inaccessible, inexpressible light. There is no shadow around Him. He is utterly separate and perfect and holy. Like no other God. why we so desperately need his grace and mercy if we don't understand his holiness we won't understand our need for grace and mercy because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god every one of us has shadow within us and around us and god who dwells in inexpressible light cannot be around where there is shadow 
Which is why we needed the mediator, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfectly holy, sinless life and died on a cross to set us free and to bring us into relationship with this holy God. He's holy. He's not like any other God. The Lord is love. 1 John 4, John the Apostle, the Apostle of love, tells us this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here is the gospel encapsulated for us. The holiness of God and his love sent to us, expressed to us, given to us for our atonement, for our redemption, for our freedom from our slavery to sin. Love is the unconditional, selfless commitment to seek the well-being of the other person. God has an unconditional, selfless commitment to you. He is wildly in love with you. And loves you too much to leave you and me the way we are. And the Lord is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. No one is good except God alone. Jesus declares. In Exodus, later on, Moses has this revelation of God. He says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord. And here's that goodness encapsulated. The compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is our God. He is good. Like Millie would say, don't you just love him? Don't you just love him? He's holy. His love. Our God, people. This is our God. I, the Lord, am your God. Here's who He is. Not only that, but He is all knowing. He is all knowing. He knows all about it. Now, when I was a kid, that scared me to death. It did. He knows everything. Oh. Now that I'm quite a bit older, what a comfort. What a grace. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who has taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? And the obvious answer is no one. He already knows it all. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Listen to me. Whatever it is that you're going through, God's not up there scratching his head saying, boy, I never saw that one coming. Huh. Never had to deal with that before. 
He knows all about it and He understands us. And all that we're going through. So good. He's all-powerful. I like that. Not only is He all-knowing, but He's all-powerful. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anything? For no word from God will ever fail. And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God, a few things. Some stuff. What is it? All things are possible. I like that. (laughs) That's amazing. What an incredible reality. This is our God, people. This is the God. I am the Lord. I, the Lord, am your God. This is the one who's your God. Now, some of you know all this, but know it all all over again, all right? Let it just settle deep. Because in the midst when the fog and the, and the fury is all around us, we forget. The Lord is ever-present. This is one that has become more and more cherished to me. The Bible says he is always present. It also says that he is very present in times of need, times of trouble. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? I love that. This is another one that used to scare me when I was a kid. (laughs) Not only does he know everything, but he's everywhere. Now what a great comfort. I can travel all over the world. I tell you, I can testify that I've been in so many different places in the world where I have experienced the presence of the Lord just in the midst of even difficult or dark situations. And I can tell you that there are times it's like a satellite thing. I don't know how to even describe it, but I know the prayers of the people here are going up and they're coming down and the heavens are open right over my head. That's because he's ever-present. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. No matter where I am, you are there. God knows you. Hmm. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, God, for being I am. I am. I am holy, I am love, I am good, I am all-knowing, I am all-powerful, I am ever-present. This is the I am. This is who you and I need to know. What did he do? Well, it tells us right here again in Exodus chapter 20, read the word, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who did what? who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He redeemed his people. He set them free. He liberated them from their enslavement. 
brought them literally out of the land of bondage. And I don't know about you, can I get a witness here this morning? Anybody been taken out of the land of bondage by I am? Come on, get those hands up. Yes! Once, I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was in darkness, I've been brought into the light. Once I was in bondage, I've been brought into freedom. We looked at this scripture in depth last week. I encourage you to go and get the, get the pull it off the website, sign up for a CD, get it. It's it's. It's good. God is just, this is so rich, what he has spoken to us about who he is. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites, like an eagle. We talked about that in depth last week, the eagle brought you out. So here's a key principle, people. What I want you to to grab hold of. This is the whole context for no other gods. Here's why. Here's the why. Here's the compelling reason why we should have no other gods. Because in, 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 in all of the other Ten Commandments as well, all of the ten words of the law are spoken by God in the context of his character and of his acts of grace. These are not words spoken by some capricious God. These are spoken by the I am who liberates us. That's why they're worth listening to, yes? Can Can I get an amen? Yes? Yes. So what does he require? In light of all of this, what does he require? In light of all that we've just talked about, the character of God and his acts of grace, what is it that he requires from us? Very simply. (laughs) Simple to say. Hard to do. Absolute allegiance. Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. The first and the central command is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's that absolute allegiance. You shall have no other gods before me. Matthew Henry, great theologian, man of faith, man of God. So whatever is esteemed or loved, feared or served, delighted in or depended on more than God, that whatever it is we do in in effect make a God of. You get that? Let me read it again. Whatever is esteemed or loved, feared or served, delighted in or depended on more than God, that whatever it is we do in effect make a God of. 
It can be a person, it can be an object, it can be a task, it can be a duty, it can be a pleasure, it can be all kinds of things. And some of that we'll be getting into next week when we talk about no idols. But anything that we put before God, one, he sees, and two, it blocks our relationship with him. And that blockage is not good for us. So why does he require absolute allegiance? This is our last question, and in just a moment, the worship team's going to come back up. Here's where we're going. Here's why this is a tender commandment. This is why this is a tender commandment for you and for me. Why does he require absolute allegiance for our good? It's for our good. Listen up. We all long for four things. We're going to go through them very quickly. We long for security. No other God can give you security. No other God. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? No other God, no person, no object, no thing, no pleasure, no task, no duty. There's nothing that can give you security other than our God. Stability. Oh, the sky is falling. The stock market is crashing. Everything's going. Ah. Well, bro, sis, your security is in your 401k. God help you. If that's where your stability is, if that's the solid rock you're standing on, not so much. But let me tell you who my God is. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Not in my circumstances, not in my situation, not in all this other stuff around here, but my God. Serenity. Our world's looking for serenity, looking for peace. Can't find no peace. Let me remind you who our God is. You will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. See, here's here's the response. Here's the thing that that grabs hold of this reality is our trust in him when we have no other gods beside him. We put nothing else before us but him. There is security and stability. There is a serenity that only comes from him. And finally, there's satisfaction. Ah, we chase all over. There was a song when I was growing up, it was a secular song, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. 
if I just get this new toy, man, if I can just hook the eyes of that person over there, they're gonna, that's going to give me satisfaction. Boy, once I get that promotion, in my job, once, once this, you know? Yes? Man, everybody's desperately looking around for satisfaction. And let me tell you, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear, come to me, listen, that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. He just wants to bring us into covenant with him. That's what this is about. That's what having no other gods is bringing us into the solidity of covenant, not a contract. This is not a contract. In the world, we're used to contracts. It's a covenant, and God keeps his covenant. You can depend on him. He is absolutely dependable. And that's why he invites us to absolute allegiance to him because he's absolutely dependable. He wouldn't expect absolute allegiance if he wasn't absolutely dependable, but he is. Get it? Worship team, come on up. So there we are. There's our first commandment, people. No other gods. The first of our tender commandments, the expressions of the Father's love. I I just pray that you've heard Papa's heart for you today. This God doesn't want you to have any other gods before him because he's some sort of megalomaniac. But because he's so good, so loving, so holy, because he's all those things that we talked about. And because he wants to give you true security and stability and serenity and satisfaction, that's why he invites you deep into this relationship with him. So you're here this morning and you're saying, well, what does this have to do with me? today. How do I respond to this? Well, maybe you're here this morning and you realize you have other gods before God. Maybe you've never taken that first step of simply surrendering your heart to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come home to the love of the Father. He loves you so much. We got some great people here. We got Rick Matson. We got Pastor Justin right up here. We got Stephen. We got some people that would love to just pray with you, to introduce you on a personal level to this God that we've been talking about who loves you. They would no greater joy than just to pray that and with you into that. Perhaps most of us in the room have at some point or another taken the step of surrendering our life. But if you're like me and you're absolutely honest, this absolute allegiance thing, well, 
it's kind of a moving target, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. You know, love the centurion. I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, Lord, I trust you, help my untrust. Lord, I, there's so many things and there's so much stuff that just distracts and pulls away. But Jesus, today I just want to come back and I just want to, I want to push those out of the way. I don't want anything else before you. Nothing at all. That's where your heart is today. I'm going to welcome you to come as well to this altar and just present yourself before the Lord. We're going to sing one song as we do this altar time, and then I'm going to give a prayer of benediction and release, but we're going to keep praying and worshiping. Hallelujah. Just open your hands right now. Lord Jesus, we just make this declaration together in this house that you are God alone. And that we will have no other gods before you. Help us, Jesus. Go deep. Go even deeper, Lord. We welcome you to go deep and deeper to receive the foundational oldest reality with open hands receive the benediction this morning I pray now that you may be filled afresh with the immeasurable love of this God I am the Father the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, the precious Son, the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations, may the banner of His favor be over your lives. Until we gather again, either in this home or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God. I pray that His goodness will chase you down. And I bless you, people of God, in the name of the Lord, our God. Amen.